Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. Luke chapter 2. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're looking at verses 8 through 14. This is one of our behold statements, um, and it's one that really sticks out in the New Testament as we cover these behold statements. Um, the older I get the, and the more I watch these Christmas movies over and over and over again, because somebody in our family thinks that we can't have Christmas without uh, watching the same movies over and over again, the more I connect with uh, the more I connect with these films, and they become a part of my story. And so, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was one of those that I was reflecting on this week. Um, if you, as, you've, as you've watched that film, or even if you just know the song, you understand that we, the audience, are supposed to feel bad for poor Rudolph because you know, the uh, other reindeer are calling him names, and he's not allowed to join into all of the reindeer games with the whole, like, fluorescent uh, nose thing and all that. He's, he doesn't fit in, right? It's a big question of belonging. Um, Rudolph has got issues. And, you know, he ponders for a moment, like, whether or not he should go to the North Pole uh, Center for Cosmetic Surgery to get a nose job. Um, eventually, he decides against that, and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to leave. And so he leaves a community that has rejected him. And he ends up where? On the island of misfit toys. And this is actually a place that's really refreshing for Rudolph. It's, where, it's a place where everyone belongs. No one has to like hide their issues or pretend like they're okay. You've got like a spotted elephant there, or you've got a boat that can't stay afloat, or you've got a Charlie in the box, or a, a water gun that actually shoots jelly. And everybody is there because they've settled with this reality in their hearts. No child would want to play with a toy like me. Why? Because I've got issues. They've got issues. And so do you. And so do I. And if we have these moments of real honesty in our lives, there's actually this doubt in our head where we say to ourselves, if someone really knew me, I mean really knew me, like the stuff in my heart, my head, the things I've done, the shame of my story, if they really knew me, they could never love me. They could never love somebody like me. We're misfits. Um, in Jesus' day, the day of his birth, shepherds were society's misfits. Um, they were dirty, misunderstood. They were these uh, mistrusted vagabonds that lived outside and that if you saw them in public, even if you knew them, you wouldn't like associate with them in public or you certainly wouldn't bring somebody like a shepherd home to meet mom and dad. There was this stigma to these people. And I just want 
us to slow down for a moment and remember that God chose those people to announce the birth of His Son. Of all the people in the whole world He could have chosen to give this good news, He chose them. Fear not, for behold, I bring you, yes, people like you, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy is meant for people like them, and it makes me wonder if it's meant for people like them, could it, could it be meant for people like us? Could it be that God is breaking into our stories and in our lives to say, hey, good news, great joy through my son Jesus who is going to take away your loneliness and is going to take away your fear. Listen for that. I'm going to go ahead and read. You stand, Luke chapter 2, verses 7, or verses 8 through 14. <clears throat> and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Please be seated. The grass withers and the flowers fade. Everything changes, but not the word of our Lord. It stands forever and ever. Behold, good news of great joy for the lonely. Our world, as you look around, our world is more connected than it has ever been in human history. I could reach into my pocket, or my phone's over there actually, and right in front of you I could show off and be like, look, I'm messaging my, my friends in Japan who are about to go to sleep. Or, or, or I could, I could uh, video call a former UCB elder in Paris, France. Or actually, we could go on, on Facebook Live or on Meta, as the kids call it. And we could engage with people in West Africa. We are so connected, right? And yet, sociologists say that my generation is the loneliest generation they've seen. Right? One thing the pandemic has taught us is that we need other people. Like it's vital to how we live our lives, relationships, connection to other people. COVID has changed everything about our lives, but one of the things that has changed negatively is that it has um, exasperated the social symptoms of this disease of loneliness that has spread all over our world. Um, this is a disease that didn't originate with COVID. It originated in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. God actually pushed them out of community with Him. And since that day, it has infected all of us. Loneliness. Loneliness is a massive problem in our world, every part of our world. I found out this week that uh, earlier this year, Japan hired a minister 
of loneliness. Now think about that. We've got a minister of finance, defense, etc. A minister of loneliness. And my close friends that live in Japan and work with the international church there attest to the crisis of loneliness there. Did you know that last October, October 2020, more people in Japan died by suicide than up to that point for the whole year had died from COVID? Did you know that in Japan, companies have invented robots and sell robots who do nothing except sit next to you and hold your hand while you feel lonely? Loneliness is a huge problem. Why do we feel lonely? Well, it's because relationships crack and break. People are isolated from one another. People die. People leave. Um, Sometimes people feel ashamed, and so they hide themselves from other people they should feel connection to. Sometimes people look around and they say, geez, I I I don't fit in here. Maybe I should just keep to myself. That one actually is one that shows up a lot in a globally mobile community like ours, right? Tomorrow morning, um, my family and I are going to fly to the U.S. because Justin and Savannah are getting married next Sunday, and I'm going to go do their wedding, and it's, it's going to be awesome. But as soon as we step off that airplane, I want you to know what's going to happen to our family. We're going to walk out, we're going to look around, and we're going to say, well, we've changed, and our country has changed. And even though our passport says that we are U.S. citizens, we don't fit in here anymore. And some of you experience that here or there or everywhere. This is part of who we are as a community of globally mobile, international people. It hurts. It hurts to feel like you belong everywhere and yet nowhere all at the same time. It hurts to not fit in. It hurts to not feel accepted. And this is a hurt that the shepherds in our story knew very, very well. They were outcasts, not because of mobility, not because they moved around a lot, because of their vocation, because of the stigma and strata that they were locked in. They were ceremonially unclean. They could not go to the temple. They couldn't testify in a court of law. In fact, if there were a crime committed, guess who has the fingers pointing at them? It's the shepherds. They may have had each other, but they didn't have the rest of society. They were cut off. They were lonely. And that sounds like a joyless reality until God steps in. Until God steps in. We're used to the shepherds being such an important part of the Christmas story, we forget how shocking it must have been for them, right? As they sit outside, as they tend their flocks, look out for for wild, dangerous animals, things that would harm the sheep they care for, poke the fire, eat their granola bars, try to stay awake, whatever they're doing out there, and then all of a sudden, boom, spotlights come on. And the angel of the Lord, in all of his blinding brilliance, says, Behold, I have an important announcement that is going to change the course of human history. This is the most important thing that anyone could tell anyone else. A Savior has been born. He's, just, he's actually right over there across town. And God, the hoped-for Messiah, has put on flesh and blood, and, and he's sitting over there in a feeding trough for animals. 
And it's amazing that the text didn't say this, because if I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, whoa, 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 hey, uh, uh, angels, um, do, you know who you, do you know who you're talking to? Like, I'm not a congressperson. Uh, I'm certainly not a member of the media. I'm not a social media influencer. I'm literally living in obscurity, a stinky, misfit shepherd. Why are you telling us? Why are you telling us this message? You know why? Verse 10. Because this is good news. Jesus is good news for all the people. All the people, not just some of the people, not just the pretty people or the important people. Jesus is good news for all the people, all kinds of people from all kinds of places with all kinds of issues, including the loneliness of these misfits who didn't fit in. Misfits fit with Jesus. Jesus came to make us all a part of his family, all kinds of people from all kinds of places with all kinds of issues. We belong to him, and therefore we belong to his family. And I have to say, I love the international church. It's something that you have taught me about. You know, when I showed up here nine years ago, I had no idea what the international church was. I had no idea how beautiful and dynamic this is. The way we have all nations represented, a multitude of languages represented, and that we somehow, with all of our mess, try to fit together as a family. We belong to a family because we belong to a Savior who loves families like that. Us, with all of our issues, with our cultural quirks and the mix-up of languages here and the varying stratas of society here, we belong to each other. We belong to this family, and so invest in this family, please. Please, for as long as you're part of this church, invest. Pour into each other's lives. Make this a place where people feel like they fit, where the nations and the next generation can come and say, those are my people. That's my family, because Jesus is my Savior. We don't need what the Japanese have. We don't need a loneliness minister. We need a loneliness savior. And his name is Christ the Lord. Jesus and his church are the very antidote to the loneliness issue that infects our world. And your COVID vaccine, if you choose to take it, may be free to you, right? This was not free to Jesus. The antidote to loneliness is not free to Jesus. It cost him everything. Free to us. Isaiah 53 predicts what this was going to be like for Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. That's exactly how it happened, isn't it? I mean, he wasn't a social media influencer. He was a carpenter who started teaching and, you know, gathered some people and did have a following, certainly, but that following on the night he was betrayed abandoned him, his disciples, his closest friends, they left him. One of his disciples turned him over to the authorities, actually. His own ethnic group, his religious group, rejected him to the point of saying, crucify, crucify, kill this dude. He's not one of us. 
And so they sent him to the cross. And even there, there was this other dynamic, this bigger, more cosmic dynamic, where the Father himself, eternal Father to the eternal Son, abandoned his own Son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You want to know why? Because of us. Jesus was excluded so that we, you and I, all of our issues can be included. It's incredible. Good news of great joy for the lonely and also for the fearful. Um, these shepherds were afraid, right? It says it in verse 9. The angels speak up. Um, these guys were afraid. Listen, like, when my wife got her nose pierced a number of years ago, I was sitting there, and, and for whatever reason, I was barely able to stay conscious, right? So the doctor, or it's not a doctor, it's the person is like giving me some apple juice, and I have to lay flat on my back because I'm the one that's about to pass out. If I'm right here with these shepherds, and I see that, boom, I'm a goner. No chance I stay awake for that. They were afraid, right? What were they afraid of? Um, holiness glory. Because when holiness and glory come at you, uh, you usually don't live to tell about it if you are a sinner, if you got a past, if you have issues, right? That's why Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. Rebellion. Guys, you, you, you can't stay here with me. You don't mix the holiness of God and the shame of sinners like us together. They just don't work together naturally. Shame, that's what makes us afraid more often than not. Shame. Some of us find that we ourselves are the misfit toys because we are actually running away from the shame of our past or the filth, perhaps, of our present. And, and we think things to ourselves like, geez, I'm too dirty to love. I'm too messed up for somebody to stay with. No one would love a toy like me. I'm too broken. Wendell Berry gives a picture of this in his novel called Remembering. He's describing, um, he's describing a farmer named Andy who was out one day with his, uh, with his farming community trying to help somebody out. They're harvesting corn, and they're, so he's feeding corn into this harvesting machine, and something goes wrong, and his hand gets uh, into the machine. And it, and he loses it. I mean, he, he loses it. And he comes home clearly in pain. And his wife says, what have you done to yourself? And he replied, I've ruined my hand. But what he really meant to say was I've ruined my person. My whole self is now deformed and messed up. I'm now too dirty to love, too dirty to belong. And so... The novel describes the way he pushed away all of the people who loved him because he felt too shameful. The people who could have helped him survive and live and flourish and heal even, he pushed them all away because he couldn't bear the idea that he was broken. That is shame. Have you experienced it? Shame is when we think, you know what, there's something wrong with me. I'm so damaged, no one could love me. The power of shame is that we, in response, live in fear of rejection. 
from the people who are supposed to love us, right? That's underneath so much our behavior. Think about why people deceive. Why do we hide our mistakes? Why do we keep what would be a, a really beautiful relationship? Why do we keep people at arm's length? It's because we're afraid that they're going to see who we really are. And when they do, they're going to say, ugh, no thank you. And they're going to leave us and reject us. You know the power of shame in your story. Do you know what is more powerful than shame, though? Do you know what expels the fear of rejection generated by our shame? The smile of God. The smile of God. Think about the shepherds. All the shame they walked around in all day long, outcasts of society, too dirty to go to temple. You know they had to believe in their hearts that they were probably also too dirty for God. And yet the first word out of the angel's mouth is, fear not, behold, fear not. God's not here to bop you on the head. Behold, good news of great joy, yes, for people like you. Then the angel band opens up, takes center stage, and what I assume was an echoing, deafening sound started to sing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And if you're sitting there listening to them say that, what's your question? Well, who is that? With whom is God pleased? Who is it that gets God's smile? I mean, peace and the pleasure of God sounds way better than fear and shame. Who gets it? With whom is God pleased? And I have to tell you, it's not you and me naturally. This is kind of the grit and the honesty of of the book, right? Uh, God loves us enough to tell us the truth about ourselves. Um, Hey, I'm a mess. The Bible doesn't say, no, 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 you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine just like you are. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Everything's good. The Bible's honest. It doesn't lie. It says, yeah, yeah, you're a mess. You really, really are a mess. Something really is wrong with you. But you know what? Something is really right with Jesus. And so if you want to come to the Father in relationships, you can experience a wholeness of humanity and belonging. If you want that relationship with an eternal God who made you, well, then you're going to have to get really close to Jesus so that some of his rightness, some of his righteousness rubs off on you. What does that do to our fear? It expels it. It means no hiding, right? No pretending like I'm okay and there's nothing wrong with me. It means I don't have to perform so that I can stay a part of the group. It means I can stand fearless in the presence of God himself and experience the peace of his pleasure. What does that do to our fear? I've shown you this before, I don't know, a few years ago. But it's the famous clip from a Charlie Brown Christmas special where Linus takes the mic and, uh, and, and he's basically explaining what the meaning of Christmas is. Linus is a character, Charlie's best buddy, who carries around this blue security blanket with him uh, all the time, right? He carries it around because it makes him feel safe. As long as I've got this, I will feel safe. Watch this clip 
and watch the blanket. Watch what happens to the blanket. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Um, Christmas is all about the fact that we don't need any other security except Jesus, right? The security blanket says that as long as I have this, I'll be safe, I'll be okay. The gospel announced to us at Christmas says as long as I have Jesus, I'll be safe, I'll be okay. It's probably better said this way, as long as Jesus has me, I'll be safe, I'll be okay. If you think about the newborn baby that, that maybe you, you've experienced, you don't expect that baby to keep warm because it is holding on so tightly to the swaddling blanket around him, right? No. That baby is wrapped up within an inch of its life by mom and by dad or the doctor, whomever, so that we won't wiggle out of it, so we won't get cold. Not expected to hold on to it. We are wrapped so tightly in the loving embrace of Jesus Christ who came for us, died for us to save us, that we can't wiggle out of it. It's not going to change. We are actually safe with him. We're safe. You're not going to wiggle out of his love. In Jesus, we experience the pleasure. We experience the smile of the Father. I'm, I'm way out of, town, uh, out of time, so let me, uh, let me close with this story. Larry, Larry Crabb uh, was a gifted counselor, Christian counselor, and he was writing uh, about conversation he had had with one of his friends. His friend had, gr- had grown up in a hard, uh, a hard home, right? Um, his, his friend, as a 10-year-old boy, would remember times sitting around the dinner table, silence, tension, you wouldn't dare knock over your glass of water, because if you did, dad was going to get you. I mean, he, he was going to shame you. And so he says what he did with that. He said, every night we'd eat dinner, I would eat as fast as I could, and I would say, may I be excused? And he would be excused, and he would leave the house, and he would walk down the street to an old house with a really big front porch. And in the window, he would see a family in there, a happy family, eating dinner together. And so he would crawl underneath the porch, and he would just sit there with his ear pressed against the boards, 
to listen to what it sounds like when a happy family shares a meal together. And the sounds of laughter, the sounds of joy. As he was sharing that memory, uh, Larry Crabb stopped him and he said, I just want you to imagine. Imagine you're sitting there listening to all those happy noises and the father realizes that you're hiding under the porch. And he sends his son out to go get you and invite you in. And they welcome you and they have a place for you there at the table. And they put food in front of you and drink in front of you. And they laugh and you enjoy one another. And and it's this unbelievable experience of belonging because they tell you as often as you want to be here, you, you you belong to us, to this family. And when you knock over your glass of water and you flinch because you think something bad's about to happen, instead you just hear laughter. That's okay the father says. Clean it up. Get him another glass of water. Get him a dry shirt while you're at it. I want to make sure he enjoys the meal. We don't have to imagine that because that's exactly what the father has done as he has sent his son Jesus to come and to rescue us. My son Jesus, go and find all the misfits with all of their issues and tell them how safe they are with me with us and how they belong to our family. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who is that? You, if you're trusting in Jesus. Through Jesus, the Father smiles. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus, we thank you. Um, You see our hearts and all of our issues. You know how hesitant we are to really believe this and apply it in our lives. So just overwhelm us with the warmth and beauty of it, please, over the next week, over the next weeks and months and years. um, Overwhelm us with it to the point that we would even spill out into the lives of the people around us, that many, many, many would see you, Jesus, as you are the one who offers us safety, the one who offers us belonging. Do this in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogotá.org.